0: This is MuggleCast, episode 27 for February 12th, 2006. GoDaddy hosting plans are now more powerful than ever. Best of all, plans start at just $3.95 per month. No matter what plan you choose, your site receives 24-7 maintenance and protection in the GoDaddy.com world-class data center. I use them for my personal website, andrewsims.com, and I know that GoDaddy has some of the best affordable hosting plans online. I recommend you use them for your upcoming website or podcast, because as a MuggleCast listener, enter the code Muggle, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out and save an additional 10% on any order. Get your piece of the internet today at GoDaddy.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of MuggleCast. I am Andrew Sims. I'm Ben Shane. I am Eric Skull.
1: I'm Laura Thompson.
2: I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Dylan Sparks.
0: And this is the show where we bring you the latest in Harry Potter news, theories, discussions, trivia, whatever you want. And now, with 100% more, Dylan Sparks.
3: Yay! Hey. <laughs> Hooray. And I'd just like to take a moment to congratulate you two on their five Grammys. Okay. Oh, me Harry too. Potter. Let's go. Uh, (laughs) Welcome Dylan to the show We had you on a few weeks ago uh,
0: By weeks, I mean months And we had to (laughs) We we had to cut you out Because there were audio problems Right,
2: that's what you say
0: (laughs) None this week You sounded like a chipmunk I didn't want people getting the wrong impression (laughs) Right. I'm not even joking man Before we go anywhere else First let's check in with Micah For the past week's top Harry Potter news stories Thanks,
4: CBC News Newsround reported Friday that after their absence from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the Dursleys will return in Order of the Phoenix. They also announced some of the other actors cast for the fifth Harry Potter film. Cyan Thomas will play Amelia Bones, the head of the magical law enforcement office. She's appeared in several productions for the Royal Shakespeare Company, as well as had roles in television and film. Lending more credibility to the rumor that the Dementor attack will appear in Order of the Phoenix, Jason Boyd has been cast as Pierre Polkis, and Richard Macklin will play Malcolm, two of Dudley's friends. Young Peter Pettigrew will be played by Charles Hughes, and young Lily Potter will be played by Susie Schinner. Finally, Richard Leaf will play Ministry or Dawlish, and Nick Shim has been cast as Zacharias Smith. Warner Brothers said earlier this week that both Gary Oldman and David Thulis are under negotiations to appear in Order of the Phoenix. The filming began for the fifth film on Monday. Moving from Order of the Phoenix to Goblet of Fire, Warner Brothers has released a commercial for the upcoming Goblet of Fire DVD. You can check it out, as well as a review of the new DVD, over on MuggleNet.com. The Harry Potter series has been nominated for a Kid's Choice Award in the category of Favorite Book. While *Goblet of Fire* is up for consideration in the favorite movie category, you can start voting on Nickelodeon's website March 6th. The awards will be presented on Saturday, April 1st at 8 p.m. And don't forget, voting for the 2006 AOL Movie Phone Moviegoer Awards is still open. Nominations are in the areas of movie of the year, *Goblet of Fire*; actor of the year, Dan Radcliffe; actress of the year, Emma Watson; best scene stealer, Brendan Gleeson; and vilest villain, Ray Fiennes. Finally, you've asked about it for months. Now the video from our live New York City podcast is available over on MuggleCast.com's episodes page. That's all the news for this February 12, 2006 edition of MuggleCast. Back to the show.
0: Okay, well thanks Mike and Tan. Let's go to some announcements before we do anything else this week. Um, one email that we've been getting a lot of is where did all the older episodes go on the feed?
3: The reason we don't have any more than 10 episodes on the feed is because it gets sort of crowded and it's not necessary. So if you want to have episodes before that, go to mugglecast.com, click on episodes. That's what I, I do not know said. why I don't know, I don't know why it was so hard for him to say that. Cuz
0: baby ADHD. What's the what's the are you No, to but so guys, something?
5: won't guys won't that mess up the people the way people uh, play Mugglecast on their iPods cuz it won't show up under podcasts, it'll show up well, under
0: Well, some people are saying that, but is that true? When it goes uh, out yeah. of our feed, it deletes it from their sh- Podcast? No, it theory doesn't. Theory? It should. It yeah, does. No, what it does, so.
5: it, it shows up as songs. Um, except the problem is the f- earlier episodes don't have the same artist there under like Andrew Sims, Ben Shane. You know, now it's just as the Mogo So it's. But if you impossible. go to
0: podcasts, if you go to podcasts on your iPod, all yeah. the ones that aren't on our feed anymore aren't there. I don't think that's true.
5: I'm I, I no, not if, able to test it because if, all I'm saying settings. is if you direct download, it doesn't. Sh- it, there's no way to get it onto the oh, podcast right. part of the. Uh, <clears throat> The thing, right? It just shows well, up as a random episode.
0: Yeah. Well. Or a random song. <laughs> what are you They're, gonna do? There's <laughs> no way to yeah. fix it.
5: <laughs> Buy an iPod. Well, th-
0: that's the problem, people. <laughs> people, it's gonna show up in a different place on their iPod, and that's what he's saying. Yeah. But it, it's not an issue if you've already sub- downloaded all of them through the well, right. Feed. But oh, it, it <laughs> and actually new people yes. Yeah. Okay, and uh, that. Is, this is the boar fest with Andrew and Eric. This is This Week in MuggleCast Tech.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. And now an update on the Andrew's Listener Challenge that is sweeping the nation Our my contest, my segment contest, Create Your Own MuggleCast Segment that will then be aired on our show, and you'll also win a fabulous MuggleCast t-shirt for you and everyone who participated. I'd like to remind everyone that you must send your final entries to challenge at com and send any questions to me at Andrew. At staff.mugglenet.com. This is the final week for the contest because it closes on the 18th. When we, yeah. re- When we release the next show, it's closed. So get them in this week. So Ben, we have to remind everyone that we are now selling MuggleCast T-shirts.
3: That's right. Get yours today. Visit mugglecast.com and there's a link that says Store where you can buy a T-shirt that comes in two designs and a variety of sizes. They cut They cut. The cost is around fifteen dollars, and for every shirt you buy, it supports the site and supports MuggleCast in itself. And they so come go. in two. They come in two great designs. A little. What
0: do, what do we want to call it, Ben? <laughs> Not iPod.
3: Uh, a generic, generic headset that are coincidentally white mm-hmm. and have
0: different colored backgrounds. You guys will love them. They they look great. I mean, Ben and I both have one. We wear, we wear them proudly. Exactly. And we get noticed for once. <laughs> and <laughs> then also the second design is a uh, mic bolt, which is a microphone and a lightning bolt skewed into one. It's really cool. It's it's a great design for our show. It fits perfectly. And now you can wear it.
3: But not only that, Andrew, we need to remind them that it's actually a t-shirt that I'm wearing at this moment. You can buy MuggleNet t-shirts at MuggleNet.com, of course, our... our the the website the Harry Potter website this podcast is for and uh, those T shirts go to supporting the podcast and go to supporting the site so we appreciate your purchase very much so go, go any business
0: we we, we love it mm-hmm.
3: so thank you and
0: <laughs> and go, go buy one today right now all right so thanks everyone and uh, we have two corrections from last week's show uh, for one we mentioned that we asked well what the heck does Wormtail do with his silver hand and Margaret from New Orleans and a few other people pointed out to us that when Warmtail receives it, he crushes a stick to dust with his new shiny hand, which means that it is very powerful. So we really did know what it was for. Cool yeah, like wow. we didn't. We didn't look into that fully.
5: So Andrew, yeah, I'll that. handle and, the second one.
0: Oh, oh, okay. Go ahead. All right,
5: I can handle the second one. Um, the second correction to last week uh, was In somebody, an hour or less. Okay, no, absolutely. Um. A few people sent in concerns uh, saying, last week we discussed whether or not Peter Pettigrew could reveal himself fully to the public. Um, and I had speculated in the episode with everybody else that he could not indeed show his face because that would mean that Sirius was innocent and there'd be this big revolution and everything. Um, however, people sent in uh, copies or um, segments of the first uh, chapter of Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, uh, during the other minister, where Fudge is admitting to the Muggle minister that Sirius was innocent. Um, Now, what I wanted to say was that I had this in mind while thinking about it, and I truly don't believe that the wizarding public has been informed that uh, Sirius is innocent. I just think that was Fudge giving in to uh, explaining it. At that moment, he was explaining everything to the Muggle minister, and even though Fudge admits that to the minister that he was, you know, that Sirius was innocent, that he was wrong. Yeah, I
1: agree. I think if Sirius's name had been cleared, then um, Joe would have mentioned it, definitely.
5: I don't think Fudge is the kind of minister who would, uh, th- the kind of politician who would admit things to the public. So even though he may have thought, you know, ma- even though he may have admitted it to the uh, minister, I, I still don't think the public knows.
0: And was there really any reason for the prime minister to tell the public? Because he would have been the one who would have told the public, right?
5: There wasn't. It was just a matter of... Um, You know, the minister at that time was running through with Fudge all the stuff that he'd told him in the past, and Fudge had to correct himself because, you know, oh, gee, that was very unfortunate that we were wrong. But I swear, I really don't think he told the public.
4: Not to mention, Fudge would have been in a whole lot of trouble.
5: Yeah, and he would have been ousted out before they deemed him incompetent. They would have kicked him out long ago.
0: So take that and rewind it back.
5: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Take that. (laughs) I'm just
0: kidding. We appreciate what people point out. If, we really do, when we but I had that in mind. mind. Yeah. Because we're not perfect. It's it's hard to get every detail nailed down into our heads, and sometimes we're going to screw up. So. Also, not, um, you, you. So rarely, rarely, keep very rarely. Yeah. We do I did get, get several
1: emails concerning the fact that people thought that we were saying Dumbledore knew that Pettigrew was the secret keeper, and I just wanted to clear up that I don't think that was the point we were getting at. I think we were getting at the point that Dumbledore thought one of the Potter's friends was... A traitor not anyone specifically so
0: right yeah i i saw emails about that Thank too. you people think we're crazy sometimes
5: any other corrections on last week people? no that's it eric cool beans yep we like, like the new york times we have a correction section on our show that was man. that was a nearly uh yeah, nearly know, perfect episode i thought that was very well
0: yeah people really appreciate last week's show um
5: what, what about it
0: they, they like what well for one you weren't on that was a big plus
3: yeah, I'm that no. was highly rated.
0: That'd I'm just kidding. Okay. Like a knife to my okay. heart. Okay, now for the main discussion this week. As most of you know, unless you're living under a rock and/or you are extremely antisocial, Tuesday is Valentine's Day. So it would be only be it would only be right if we discussed a little bit of Valentine's. All right, so Ben, you haven't been on the show. You weren't on the show last week, and you've been sort of neglecting the uh, top ten list, which yeah, is yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. I'm terrible. Uh, you've upset many fans. So you have one for us this week, right?
3: Yeah, so in, in, this, in the whole in the whole spirit of Valentine's Day, I think it's time that we do a uh, top ten Harry Potter relationships. Ooh. Yeah, let's fitting
0: fitting for Valentine's Day in our oh, Valentine's very, Day show special.
3: <laughs> very fitting. So when when you're listening to my little calf snuggling up with your loved one, please, uh, it's time for our top ten list. Number ten. Some of these are very generic, some of these are very, they're wild, you know, some of these are... Was this created by anyone or
0: was this created by you?
3: This is created by me, so if it sucks, email me. (laughs) (laughs) Number 10, Harry and Ginny. Number nine, Ron and Hermione. And now, right now, many of you are thinking, "Oh, this top ten list sucks," but oh, it's heating up here. Number eight, Dobby and the giant squid. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> number seven, Trelawney and Umbridge. Ah. Oh, oh.
0: Uh. <laughs> oh, Ben. <laughs> it took me a second to catch
3: that one. <laughs> no, no, number six, Harry and Hedwig. <laughs> Harry and Hedwig. Hedwig. Harry and Hagrid. <laughs> Harry and Hagrid. <laughs> that, that one should have made the list too. What am I thinking? Number oh. five. Number five. Snape and McGonagall. Number four. Draco and Pansy. Number three. This is probably my favorite. Micah and Eric. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, just kidding, guys. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> number two. Number two. Emerson and Melissa.
0: Oh, <laughs>
3: Melissa. That was
0: Ben's idea. Ben's-
3: <laughs> Memerson for life, yo. (laughs) Okay, and number one, perhaps my favorite, Snape and the Nimbus 2000.
0: (laughs) Oh! Uh, Is that a fan fiction somewhere?
3: Yeah. Oh, is it really? Yeah, there is. Link me to it. Uh, (laughs) Ah. That will, that's a link that will not be in the show notes <laughs> <laughs> So there hasn't been much that has happened
0: On Valentine's Day in the Harry Potter series Strangely because Harry Potter is such a Such a novel of romance And mis- mystery And
5: love, love. Oh, Yeah, yeah. And the key to the series is love everybody. Uh, Miss
0: notably would be Harry's first date with Cho Chang In as we all know Order of the Phoenix uh, Which was <clears throat> closely followed by Rita's interview with Harry for The Quibbler Okay, and on top of those two things, there was, in Chamber of Secrets, the Valentine.
5: As we all know, thanks to J.K. Rowling in Book 6, uh, Harry and Ginny have a have a thing going on. Um, and uh, in Chamber of Secrets, four years prior to it, uh, Ginny sent Harry the Valentine with the little cupids that really, really embarrassed him. And it was the singing Valentine, and Ginny sent it to him. If I'm, that was, if I may
0: just interrupt you here for a second, Eric. Um, sure. You said that it embarrassed Harry. I, I would like to quote the book. It Harry would have given all the gold in Gringotts to evaporate <laughs> on the spot. That is how much he was embarrassed. Right?
5: <laughs> well, which is interesting as well. His reaction to it. Um, I think the two most the two most interesting facts are that Ginny was only what ele- uh, eleven at this time. Um, and she was, you know, and th- that's the perfect, you know, little girl uh, action. To, but even then, she was displaying magical talent to bewitch, you know, Cupids to show up and um,
1: give him Valentine's, that wasn't what she- happened. Actually, Lockhart commissioned a bunch of the little to send Cupids to come in, and you could, yeah, you could have oh. him send Valentines.
5: Oh wait, I mixed so. Okay, then she just used it. But still, she was acting on her affections for Harry at a very young age. And, of course, she told Riddle about it, too, because that's how Now, he maybe knew about one her. of you
0: can answer this for me, but I don't know why there's so much speculation as to why it might have or might not have been Ginny. Because in the book, <clears throat> Draco insulted the Valentine, and he said it towards uh, Ginny. I don't remember what he said exactly, but it was something along the lines of, looks like Harry didn't yeah, like...
1: Yeah, didn't like your Valentine. Right,
0: and then Ginny covered her face and ran off. So...
1: Which I felt really sorry for her because it was that would an suck.
0: innocent, <laughs> like, yeah, that was bad. It, it was an innocent. I don't even know how to put it. Innocent, innocent love. <laughs> I'm crying all was, over. This yeah, episode.
5: and um, so then the second thing I wanted to bring up, as far as that Valentine event goes, is um, how Harry reacted to it as well. Like you said, Andrew, with your fabulous book quote, uh, that Harry would have given all the Golden gringots to evaporate on the spot. Um,
0: right, that was on uh, page two thirty eight, chapter thirteen, U.S. edition.
5: Nice. Thanks. <laughs> nice specs.
0: Yeah, I, I have it all in my
5: head. I'm sure you do. That's pretty much Harry's typical reaction, and I think in Chamber of Secrets, Harry is very characterized as not wanting fame. And you know, with with Lockhart around, always giving him you know tips on being very famous. It seems Harry is really just an impenetrable character. When it comes to showing affection, and he just doesn't want to be classified as arrogant or attention-seeking.
3: What's talking about shipping? What is shipping? What is shipping? I'm like... I'm like Dr. Shipping Phil. Is... I'm like the Dr. Phil of shipping.
1: Oh my god.
3: Well, you know what I'm going to say here. I think shipping, it is very, very <laughs> important to the Harry Potter shipping series. Shipping
0: is very important to a lot of people of the Harry Potter series. It's...
3: Mm-hmm. And some people take it a little it's... too seriously.
0: It's fueled by the fan fiction, it's fueled by these crazy fans, it's fueled by shows like us, it's fueled by, it's, it's, I think it's next to the whole plot, the in-depth plot and figuring it all out, it's just amazing. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I, I really don't get it because you look at the books and they really don't have a very heavy romance line in them, but you go to MuggleNet fan fiction and romance is the largest category.
3: Right, that's because people they love writing about things they can compare to, you know. And another thing is another thing is what's surprising is that Harry and Hermione is the most popular ship. I mean, there's no denying that. Even though it's not gonna happen, it's still the most popular one, like the
5: people write about. Well, we're not talking... I don't think we should talk about, you know, delusional people at all. No, we, um, we didn't, we didn't talk about delusional no, people. No, we're not. Well, you're bringing that up. I mean, but I, th- I liked what Laura said about um, fan fiction and just romance being the, the largest thing. I mean I think uh, as far as J.K.R. not mentioning it in the books or it not taking place in the books, I think that's also what gives them a lot of uh, free room to write. And wherever there are characters, there will be relationships formed. And I think people just have their own... Uh, interpretations of what characters should be with who, and then they let it free roam. And other people say, "Hey, we really like that, so let's write we about keep it." Keep
0: referring to people, but it's it's. I think we need to be more specific. It's these teenage girls. Their hormones are raging. Oh yes, come yeah, on! Can, yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: It's true. It's true. Eric, it do, do you really have an argument true. against this? i
3: I'd be, I'd be, Hold on, what? Andrew. I'd be careful of insulting. I'm not insulting girls because they account for seventy. I'm not of insulting. Audience, I'm so. saying
0: that. It's the perfect thing for the them. Majority? It's what interests yeah. them the most. That's why the Harry Potter and probably why it's so successful. Because you have these teenage girls on top of swooning over Harry, they have this huge world of shipping they can get into. There's podcasts about shipping. It's
1: huge. No, it really is true. Because you look at whenever I was in public school, most of the girls my age were reading romance novels. So it's really it's just something that teenage girls get into, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's just. An age thing.
5: Eric, did you have an argument against this? Um, No, I think it was rather uh, proper in pointing that out. And I think that uh, Harry Potter, among other things, in romance novels, is just something for teenage girls to get into because of whatever reasons. But um, it's just a shame that they aren't in real relationships. Not that it's their fault. Do you think.
3: (laughs) So, yeah, if you're not in a real relationship, call up Eric's school. Joe has said
0: in the past that. Nothing that she reads online or like the movies don't affect her writings of the book or anything like that. But do you think J.K. Rowling takes in all this shipping and puts it into her books because well, if the kids like it, then might as well might as well interest them more. Uh, right. I, I
2: don't think so. I think she, I think she writes what she writes. She, I mean, yeah. she knows exactly what she's gonna write.
5: Dylan's I don't Dylan's she'd be correct. Persuaded by any party. Um, Dylan's right, except uh, where a certain emphasis lies, I think, no matter what relationships had to occur in the books. But J.K.R. was very adamant about putting in hints and clues that Ron and Hermione were going to get together and not Hermione and Harry. And so she's pointed the direction, and I think she's responded to the shipping by just making it a little bit more clear than she might have prior to it. Um, just like everybody pronouncing Hermione's name Hermione, and she had that thing in Goblet of Fire where she made Victor, you know, pronounce it right. So we all knew. It's just J.K.R.'s way of kind of responding to us subtly. But I mean, as Dylan said, I think she does know who's going to get together. It's just a matter of I think she might not have pointed it out as much as she did um, if the fans hadn't been shipping other well, she- things.
2: She wants to write the books so she, she uh, she's going to write it because I think we have that figured out because it started out sort of like a kid's book and then by the sixth book, we right. don't know. It, it's but not a kid's book at all.
0: She doesn't have to turn it into a whole plot. If she throws one sentence in there saying Snape and McGonagall, McGonagall looked at each other in a funny way, it's going to start up a whole new frenzy. <laughs> These people are, are intense about this kind of stuff.
4: I think it's a way of her humanizing the series a little bit, too. I mean... Sh- you know what I mean? It's, it's. Yeah, so people can relate to I it. I also
1: think that in comparison to the first five books, book six really seems like it has just this huge romance line in it. But really, when you look at it on its own, as just its own book, it's really not a lot when you compare it to other books that you might be reading that have huge romance lines. So I really don't think that. She's just doing it because a lot of people seem to like it. I think she's just doing it because it's part of growing up. I mean, how weird would it be if Harry had gone six books without kissing anyone?
5: I agree with R also that it needed to take place. It would have been really weird. Um, so yeah, book six was the point where Jake Harry just had to establish that before it was way too late. I know,
3: but the thing that got the thing that got to me was when I read the part where Harry like first kisses Ginny. It felt like straight out of a fan fiction not, <laughs> story. It was, I don't know. It there was, was nothing wrong with that.
1: No, there was nothing wrong with it. It was definitely a little, I would say, overdone, but not bad. Just not what I was quite expecting. When I
5: read Half-Blood Prince, I read it twice in, I think, about a week or so. The first one was 24 hours, and the second one, I took my time. But um, – I, I thought at first that it was the book was all about snogging, and I was so tired, and everybody I was talking to said, yeah, oh, man, I couldn't get enough of that snogging. It was just snog, snog, snog this, snog that. And then I read it again, and the second time through, it really didn't seem that big at all. I was, like, shocked. I was like, wait a minute, where is all this snogging? And it was funny, because when I was first reading it, I was like, oh, my God, this is so much more romance. But at the same time, the second time around, it didn't seem like any. And it seemed very, very minor, in fact. So... It's interesting to find out how much romance is actually in that book.
0: Well, Ben brought up a good point that it sounded like it came straight out of a fan fiction. So is she being influenced? I mean, I hate to say that, but she, she says that she looks at the sites I don't think and so. reads all the crazy stuff that's going on.
5: I think it's less influence and more the fact that it did go six books without waiting. I think it just seemed more like a fan fiction and more outward because she had waited so long. And, you know, anything Harry and Cho did in book five still wasn't adequate enough to, like, set the whole stage for romance in the in the books. I just think it was J.K.R.'s way of... I think it's the way the book came out, and it may have seemed like a fan fiction because we weren't used to it, but, I mean, that's... The, that's only because we just hadn't had any.
1: Also, before. there are so many Harry Potter fans that it was extremely unlikely that Joe was going to come up with a situation for Harry and Ginny that hadn't already been written in a fan fiction. As
5: well. I think, if anything, the fact that book six seemed like fanfiction just says that we have some pretty good fan fiction writers out there. Yeah, I, I mean, I
4: think she felt that she had to mm-hmm. add certain human elements, certain everyday elements of life to the book and to the series, and you know, the whole romance angle is just one of them.
5: Yeah, and to say that the fan fiction writers couldn't capture the same angle would be a little bit of an insult, a little bit of a low blow. I think some of them have, and some of them um, have created work that uh, is sometimes adequate and worthy of Harry Potter.
0: What What about book seven? I, I think it would be a great idea for Joe to throw in a lot of those little lines that would stir up some controversy just to, because since book seven's the last just to book. Leave it. Yeah, exactly. You, you leave it completely open. It's going to keep the interest in the series going for a while.
1: So you you know, comment? that'd be really cool. Except we'll for be talking the
0: fact
3: about it on here.
0: I know. We, <laughs> there'll be <laughs>
1: some weird fan fictions coming in after book seven. Joe. Oh,
0: my God. We need something to talk about. Please leave stuff open. <laughs> yeah. Please just,
5: oh, my gosh. We're going to lose listeners
0: and we're going to have to live on the streets again. Please. Okay, so on top of the romance this week, we have to get into our character discussion because without it, MuggleCast is simply just not complete. So this week we will be talking about, of all people, Professor, former Professor Umbridge.
4: But you know what, Andrew? Dolores. What's that, Micah? Nothing says Valentine's Day like Professor Umbridge.
5: Didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, Micah's right. I mean, you know, <laughs> what you it's about?
3: like,
5: <laughs> well, you told me that it's like the, the character discussion. It was like Umbridge and I was like, what the hell? Irony. You know, this... Oh, the irony. It's so not, but it's good. It's good. Micah's right. <laughs> Nothing says Valentine's Day like Umbridge. Dolores Umbridge. Umbridge was appointed to the position of
3: Defense Against the Dark Arts at the beginning of the 1995-1996 school year. We don't agree with that. But she did not seem to possess any talent for the subject. She was, was, however, both willing and able to commit at least one of the three unforgivable curses, the Cruciatus Curse. Her other abilities were limited to manipulation of circumstances in her favor and a uh, penchant for cruelty almost as depraved as the Death Eaters themselves. Is that of the Death Eaters themselves? She's short and fat. She's toad-like. She has short fingers. She has a really annoying voice. She oftentimes gave Harry detention where the, she had the special quill where it would engrave it in his arm too, and like a little spot on his hand. Whatever he was writing. She worked for the many, She used to be the senior undersecretary to the Minister of Magic, and nothing's really known about her early career. And just, we know that she was thrown in there because they needed another Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher. And like every other Defense Against the Dark Arts teacher, she didn't last. And the one thing that we all absolutely
0: hate about her the most is that she issued all those educational decrees that drove us insane. Oh,
1: my God. As
0: I read that book, I would pound my fist against tables, and I could not stand it. It drove me nuts. Is that why there were
3: all those holes in your walls, Andy? Yes, yes,
0: yes, (laughs) yes.
5: Oh, wait, those holes, those other holes, no. No, all throughout Book 5, it was really just a question of what will she think of next? And, you know, she was the... The absolute dictator, where it's just like what she's tried to do goes, and nobody supported her, and it was great. The whole thing where Professor McGonagall openly opposed her and said to her, you know, I wasn't sure that I had the authority, you know, to clean up that mess, or I think that was Flitwick or somebody, Um, it was just so great, because she she was there at Hogwarts, nobody wanted her there, Dumbledore let her there because he couldn't conflict with Fudge at that moment, and... She was ruining everybody's lives and she got no respect and I really – she really didn't deserve any. So it was like she knew she wasn't welcome there but she still made everyone's life a hell anyway. And it was just the, the character that – it's the only character I, that I actually just punched my pillow repeatedly after reading a line or you know from, from the book. It was just – she made me feel so so – she's the only character that, I, that I, Lord Voldemort, I love reading about, it when it, but Umbridge, but Umbridge, no.
0: So some of the questions that we, we have a series of questions, but uh, one question that comes to mind is, what house would she have been in? Not Gryffindor, <laughs> I don't think.
3: Slytherin. I don't
0: think she fits the Slytherin personality. I think
5: she does. She's overly concerned about herself and her own personal morals. I think it's 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 one thing to be there stationed under the ministry, but she actually took matters into her own hands beyond what even the ministry would try and control Hogwarts as. And if you think about it in the long run, she also sent the the dementors to Privet Drive, which was in complete defiance of the ministry. And if anything, it complicated a lot of things for the Ministry and for Harry And that was all because she You know, personally wanted to I don't
3: know if it's possible to turn Whether she's really, uh, Gryffindor whether she's, uh Whatever she is, she's you know, not brave. Because, well, because well, well, here, no, here's what happens. Here's what, here's what we do when we, when we talk about sorting people in the houses. The people we don't like, they go into Slytherin. The people we do like, go into Gryffindor. The people that are lamers, they don't talk to anybody, go into Hufflepuff. And the people that are smart go into Ravenclaw.
5: But what's wrong with that? I mean, I'm saying, uh, you know, I don't think
3: that's necessarily. We, <laughs> a true, I actually think, representation. Right. no, I think it well, is.
1: I would agree with you if it weren't for the fact that she. Did something to endanger Harry's life. Yeah, but yeah. so sort did of
4: Pettigrew, and Pettigrew was in Gryffindor by
1: sending the Dementors to Privet Drive and yeah.
4: defied
5: her own law. And it's you know to do that.
1: I think there's definitely there. I, I think what a lot of people don't consider is it's not just good traits that you get you put into houses; it's bad traits as well. And Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, and Ravenclaw have them just as much as Slytherin does. Slytherin just happens to have gained reputation for having bad traits.
5: Yeah. Well, we said that last week as well.
3: It all depends on the person. As Dumbledore said, that it's our choices who make us who we are. But I really honestly believe
5: that you know, Umbridge would be in Slytherin because even though she's supposed to be buddy-buddy with Fudge, she went and sent the Dementors after, you know, Harry to Privet Drive just because also, she wanted him.
1: notice which students she buddied up
5: yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. The Slytherins were her inquisitorial squad. And first of all, she definitely so No, that. she wouldn't be in Gryffindor because she's not brave at all. She needs to have a squad of little okay, Dracos okay, running okay. No, around. No,
3: no, no. no the, the, the flaw here is that Okay, what you fail to realize is that sometimes we wonder, how did this person make it into this house? And it's because a sorting hat is the only person that can read their mind, so to speak, and tell what they truly are. Just because she gives out the appearance of being uh, a big dictator and all these terrible things doesn't mean that she'd be put in slither. So,
5: wait, are you trying to say that she's actually a good person and that her whole inquisitorial squad and everybody she gets to wreak havoc on the school and write people up, good people, including... You know, prefects and other things, and get them into trouble. You're saying she's actually not a Slytherin, or not?
3: I don't think I ever said any. I don't think I ever said anything about her being good. I just said that her outward appearance doesn't reflect how she truly is. So you're is. saying she's not it a Slytherin type
5: of person, or she's not? I'm not. I'm not saying that she is,
3: and I'm saying that it could be the case. Just because, like, looks can be deceiving. That's what I'm saying, and that we've seen that. How some people wonder, well, how is pedigree a right. Gryffindor if he exactly. was a Gryffindor? He was.
4: Head. We went through this last week with Pettigrew being in Gryffindor. Yeah. How,
3: how is? How is? Yeah. Then how is Pettigrew in Gryffindor if he's so? You know, he he's working for Voldemort. How could a Gryffindor be working for Voldemort? No. That's y- what I'm
5: saying, Eric. Yeah, I think you're right in pointing that out. Um, I think the case of Umbridge clearly. Yeah, even though she is an evil doer, I think at the same time she's clearly had issues. Um, beyond that, like she's. Seems to be a smart person as, as far as she knows what she can and can't do, and you know the whole reason behind her, you know, t- educational decrees was that she knew she could do that. So why then would she actually go and send a mentors to River Drive? Do we know why she did that? I mean, clearly she was upset, or you know, she really has. But there's so many things you have to take
3: into account. For all we know, she could be under the Imperius curse. See that, thats the thing. We don't know who's acting on their own will and who isn't, and whether that's truly how that's she very is. True. Maybe she well, thought it, it was the right <laughs> thing to do.
0: What makes her act this way? I mean, why is she? Why is she like this? Could it have been in early childhood, or could it have been what I feel is probably the ministry magic influencing her, telling her all this has to is, be it's done? It's a combination or, of or something like yeah, that. Well, well, because, because the who,
3: ministry look, is look terribly corrupt. Yeah. Look, look who's cutting her paycheck. It's all about it's all about the galleons, baby. If You yeah. don't have the galleons,
0: you're not
5: <laughs> you're
3: not
0: worth much.
5: Yeah, he just replaced his own name instead of saying the Benjamins, he's saying the galleons. Well,
0: I, I mean, I really think that's true. If if uh, Fudge, or however, is threatening to fire her, then what is she to do? No, I understand. You that. You have to take control back of the school, or you're out, and that's it. So, she, and if she really is close to her job and is really passionate about it, then. God bless her.
5: I understand her desperation. Well, I also- but she's not. I mean, do you really think that that Fudge told her he'd fire her if she didn't make Harry cut into his own hand? I mean, th- the thing with Rumbridge is that that was her that was her preferred punishment of choice. No, th- th- those are just side things, dude. Things that she that that was her punishment of choice for Harry is the most. I
1: think she's just power-hung. the most heinous
5: thing. Heinous thing of. Ever is to dig into your own hand, and again and again and again. And she outright denied any claim that Harry made. That um, that vo- that Quirrell was a good person and a good teacher, and that you know she openly insulted and took pleasure in knowing. I think that's what everybody's forgetting because it's all been a while since we've read Book Five. But she took pleasure in I read it last night. In Harry. Oh, you did Andrew? Very nice. Uh, she
1: took Yeah, I read mine a lot too, but that's okay. I'm
5: sorry. Well, she took She had so much pride in proving Harry wrong and and making Harry suffer because he knew the truth and she was ignorant to it.
0: But would she have done that to anyone else but Harry? I think there's such it to a hate um, at the ministry for-
1: Lee Jordan she did it to him. Oh,
0: really?
3: Yeah, yeah, but, but it wasn't yeah, yeah. basically, same, it was to the same extent, though, where we see every night, yeah. every night, her had attention, and he had to go. Not in there every and night. Dig into, however, it was a I lot. think,
1: I think that Umbridge is the type of person who is so power hungry, and is just so, she just needs to show that she's superior to everyone else by forcing people to do things that they don't want to do by taking power over things, and it, it, the first person who disagrees with her. They're screwed.
5: And watch out. And yeah. screwed to a point where everybody else is afraid to speak up. I mean I really liked yeah. the very few people like Lee Jordan who stood up to Umbridge after they saw what had happened, to Harry, perhaps, or even in the in the midst, where they understood that she was not going to tolerate their upheaval, they still did it anyway. It's and what's the word looking for? It's it's totalitarianism, right? That's well, it, it is. is, but also I got the distinct impression, especially in the scene where Harry flips out um, on Umbridge the first time in class and says about how Lupin was a great teacher and how about how Voldemort uh, was growing out of the back of a said you know all that stuff. Um, I got this distinct impression that she knew that she was a person who actually was smart enough to understand where Harry was coming from. And...
1: Oh, of course she knew. No, she knew. That's why she didn't want him to say it She knew the point. Because it threatened her position. It did.
5: But at the same time, she knew that Harry was right. And she openly denied him and punished him for telling the truth to everybody else. Because she was... Yes, yeah,
1: because... It... Right, well, it's how, you, it's how you keep
5: control of something, you know?
1: Yeah, it basically just undermined anything that the ministry might tell the public if Harry was right. So of course she
5: did. But it was such... She did it with such pleasure. I really don't think she's in a a hard enough situation where she can be that mean just because she has to be. I think she wanted to be. And I think that's what would probably
1: make her... Oh, I think she did too. I think she wanted to be. And I think that assuming the common house stereotypes, considering those, she would most likely be put in Slytherin, but obviously we don't know her true circumstances as a child, nor do we know terribly much about, in depth, I should say, about what the sorting hat does and does not accept for certain houses. But
4: for all the ruthless things that she's done as a teacher, I would say she's probably one of the most influential characters in the series, just because without her, Dumbledore's army would never have started. Oh, I agree. Book
1: five wouldn't have been half as interesting if it weren't for her.
3: Because what's been happening? Because what was happening in the series is that each year they get an inadequate or an incompetent defense against the dark arts teacher. And finally they realize they've had enough and they say, well, let's teach real defense against the dark arts. So they start the 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 Dueling Club. No, they the didn't realize that. What do they, they call it? No, no not the Dueling Club. Army. I meant the Defense Association, <laughs> not the Dueling Club.
0: They don't have muggle cast in uh, yeah, Hogwarts. They should. <laughs> As much as we wish. But no,
5: I don't even think it was that they realized that their previous teachers had been incompetent because I don't think they'd admit to that even if it were – I mean I think they admitted Lockhart was not – but at the same time, I I just think they realized they weren't going to learn actual defense under Umbridge and I think that's what made them do the Defense Association or Dumbledore's Army because they knew – you know, Dolores Umbridge was the kind of person who read from books and they seriously did not learn any actual – you know, spells and defense. It was all practical with um, with the books and stuff. So they really needed to take action and actually learn stuff because it was a time in the year where they just had to seriously learn to defend
1: themselves. And I don't think it was just the education. I think it was the oppression that made them want to revolt against I her. I agree. Mean,
5: it was, yeah.
1: You see that every day in school. You have teachers who are unfair or are seemingly unfair and then the whole class just has this vendetta against that teacher so
0: can i tell you guys a secret i i didn't make this connection earlier uh i have this new study hall teacher i won't i won't say her name in case she listens but she's laying down the rules you know first first class she goes over you know okay no no talking no no ipods and then then she says so basically no fun.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are no, you? No, that's way too- <laughs> And and she won't know. She won't know if she hears this that you were talking. That's about a her, bitter
5: right? person. Come on, no fun. Even, well, no, even if that's true. No, no great story has a lukewarm
2: bad guy. I mean, come on, every great story, like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, has got that Voldemort or the Sauron or whatever you, whatever you want to do, but every great story has to have a great bad
1: Exactly, guy. exactly. I completely agree with that. While I would hate Umbridge as a person, I love her as a character because she just brought so much interest to the book. Agreed.
4: But is she like the first bad person? That's not necessarily a death theater that we meet.
1: No, she's not. But she's, she's trying to think of a word to describe her yeah. that isn't a swear word. She's Andrew's study <laughs> teacher. She's no, Andrew, teacher. No, Andrew.
5: You're completely right, Andrew. And you know to say no fun, even if it's true, even if the rules do constrict fun, uh, their view would be that it constricts misbehaving. But for her to go out and summarize the rules, uh, it, you, the, the rules don't say no fun, even if even if by abiding by all the laws there is no fun just the kind of person who would say in other words no fun is just a mean person and there's by the way i forgot to m- to mention that uh the whole me doing yeah. the mugger cast
0: thing is all over my <laughs> school's website and stuff Bad so. <laughs> <laughs> publicity <laughs>
3: okay guys so what about what about uh umbridge the toad imagery that joe uses Could it be because she's She's able to transform into a toad, or maybe that's her mm-hmm. animus. I don't think or... so. What's up with the toad? Because images? you see, uh, honestly, she looks a lot like one. I mean,
1: yeah, but you see a lot of correlations between people and animals in the series. Like um, Scrimgeour, she described that he was sort of like a lion. Yeah, and you have and Slughorn, Slughorn with... like a walrus. Yeah. That, th- yeah, that threw
0: everyone off with half yeah. footprints thing.
1: It's just an association. You guys want to think... know
4: a crazy editorial that I read? It said that um, Umbridge was actually Trevor.
1: Oh, I've heard that one.
5: Guys, actually, I have (laughs) something to add that might throw you all skyrocketing sideways. I read something on one of the forums um, in the past that actually speculated Umbridge... Drumroll, please. (laughs) Somebody said that The way Umbridge and, believe it or not, Peter Pettigrew were described was similar in the way that she might be his mother. (laughs) Ew.
4: Do you
2: think? Okay, think about it. And maybe,
5: maybe, no, we're talking about this. Maybe, maybe that is why she is out to get Harry. And if you think about it, it would mean that Umbridge was actually mentioned in the past, which is J.K.R.'s style, because in book three, when they talk about Peter Pettigrew, all his mother got back was his finger, which was obviously the plot element, because you know he's he was missing his toe as Scabbers. But what do you guys think? Could that be a possible reason for why Umbridge is so mean to Harry? Well, we
3: know, okay, if if that's—and why she's so bitter and, yeah, and personal up. about. Hypothetically, we, th- theoretically speaking, w- if that is the case, say that few- um, Umbridge is Pettigrew's, Pettigrew's mother, then there's no way that she's in Lord Voldemort's circle because she asked She would have to know. She'd have to be under the assumption that Peter's dead, right? Okay. So what, I, what I'm saying is that I don't know if that's true or not.
5: <laughs> but I don't think.
1: I just. I just don't think so.
5: I, don't, it's just another I can't one think of these to really theories.
1: disprove it, but I just don't see it happening. I don't think she's
2: old enough to be
0: – I really don't think well, she's old no enough Well, there's no solid evidence at the same how, time. Well, the world age is kind I mean.
3: of relative. I mean, it doesn't – you don't really so. know.
0: Now, Michael, one question you had on your mind, or was it Kim Parker's mind?
3: It was Kim Parker's mind. <laughs> yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> <laughs> one question Kim Parker had on her mind was, is there a parallel between Umbridge and Hermione? Well, can you elaborate that on that a little bit more?
4: The question is... Micah. Yeah, the question is basically, would Hermione have become like Umbridge if it wasn't for Ron and, her, and Harry sort of coming in and befriending her the way that they did?
1: No, I don't think so. Because Umbridge is very clearly... Filled with malice, and I don't see Hermione as a malicious person. Now, Hermione was kind of militant in *Sorcerer's Stone*, even a little bit in
3: *Chamber of Secrets*.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, but the thing she doesn't, she's not out to get people. Umbridge is.
4: Well, I think maybe it was more so along the lines of following the
3: rules and being strict to those sorts of things. And the thing is uh, that you have to realize is that Umbridge wasn't always hasn't always been that way just like Lord Voldemort hasn't always been the way
5: he is i mean at, ever, at one time he wait was. no Voldemort was always was the was way kid. he was and i think that <laughs> he was no he was <laughs> no
1: <laughs> he strangled bunny rats yeah yeah
5: yeah
0: and halfblood friends <laughs> yeah i think a no that's background. that's the point with Voldemort <laughs> I, I, which actually
5: no,
1: no 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 he no but
3: i i'm saying is that he's living a lot differently now you know because i'm just trying i'm trying to make the point that things change. he used to have a real body now he's this this uh mass this Blob of flesh. What
5: disappoints me with uh, with Voldemort, uh, since Ben brought it up, was that JKR kind of made a point that he was always evil, even as a kid, and genuinely evil, like to torture kids. And, the, and you know, she truly believes, or at least in the series, um, it says that people can be evil from birth and just be rotten eggs to begin with. Because even. Be- I mean, it's really sad, but. Voldemort was characterized as the kind of kid who said, well, my dad must have been the one with magic because my mom would have been not so weak and, you know, she was weak and died. And even though he's got this – even though I feel very bad for Marope Gaunt, Voldemort was not the kind of person who was – I mean he was raised in an orphanage, yeah, and that sucks. But he seemed to be very genuinely evil from birth and I, I think that's a little off from what I'd imagined. Um, for how most dictators are just created,
3: not necessarily well, miserable's no, d- 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 dictator dictators are sort of found like there has to be a reason for example, Hitler, the reason that he came to power is because all the Jews were getting blamed for everything and he he found a rallying cry, and the ironic thing is that he was there 's a lot of similarities between hitler and uh and voldemort Hitler was his he he's half Jewish actually. His grandfather I think all was all
2: dictators come from a mixture of being cruel from birth. I mean, if they do such terrible things, then of course they have to have a cruel background, but it's also fueled by um,
5: some sort of inspiration, like Eric was saying. I mean, in a way, it makes sense that, you know, Voldemort got no love and, you know, he's been raised in an orphanage where nobody could love him. But at the same time, he's not a lovable kid. And he never was. If he was taking kids into, you know, caves and, and scaring them and Dumbledore saw it you know for, he Dumbledore should have known right then and there and I, I think he actually did that it just wasn't he's the kind of kid who was proud that he could talk to snakes and send them and make them do what he wanted to and all that stuff so do you think Umbridge is the same way do you think you know going back to Umbridge that she as a dictator was is power hungry by birth or is she power hungry because she really thinks she needs the power it, it's it's and innate,
3: and It just sort of happens. It's, it's a personality trait that she developed. Yeah, I yeah.
4: mean, or is it just that she thinks that she's doing the right thing? I mean, that could be it, too. No,
5: but she knows she's not. It's the thing. She knows that... that
1: she's thinking about doing the right thing for herself. Right, yeah. and to for the ministry her.
5: in her mind. But I, No, I think as far as the ministry goes, she knows that, yeah, she's supporting the ministry because she knows that Lupin was a good teacher and she knows that... Everything Harry stood for is probably correct, but she still goes with the ministry.
1: She's forgetting that the ministry is around to serve the people of the wizarding world and not the people in power.
5: I like that. But is the ministry serving the people? It's really not. No, they're not. They aren't. They're
1: They're not. And she's forgetting that that's what she's supposed to be doing.
5: Okay, then what will
3: Umbridge's role be in Book Seven? If any.
0: Uh, well, we didn't see her much in Book 6, so... That surprised me.
5: With all the roles of the Ministry, including Hour, and how he was undermining Harry and, and wanting him to be his supporter, I thought Umbridge was too missing. Like, too missing. She needed to be there. If you think Ministry post-Book 5, you're supposed to think Umbridge and Fudge and all the new characters in 6. But with all the people we met in 6 and how they were trying to change people and arrest the innocent and all that stuff, I am very... Shocked that Umbridge was not mentioned.
0: As much as I hated her, I liked her.
1: <laughs> I was looking for her. yeah, I was looking for her in book yeah. six, so I'm a little, little nervous about what she was up to. The, yeah, she was she there. She was like, so yeah,
5: yep. that's she almost she didn't deserve to be there. She was that was a mockery. The thing is, that no, was, no,
3: she served her purpose, and she was the reason she was there is because she's still working for the ministry. I don't know how that worked out, but. But if, yeah. if she served her she purpose, was shouldn't to make she the be ministry? dead? Yeah, well, according, according to, all according all to the other bozos. Not according to me. I, I don't think they, they... They serve their purpose and they die. Everyone dies. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, I, I disagreed with that too. Not everyone who doesn't serve a purpose dies. <laughs> no,
3: no. But there was, there was well, we don't need to get in there.
0: The point is, I but, think we're all, all <laughs> on the same page with that.
4: So at the end of book five,
5: what do you guys think happened to her? when uh, the centaurs took her into the forest. I'm surprised she's survived. Maybe that's where she was in Book 6. She was in the recovery ward at St. Mungo's for the whole year. Because I honestly don't think... I mean, the centaurs, at certain points in the book, were ready to kill Harry. And a lot of the creatures in the forest mm-hmm. were ready to kill Harry. And even the centaurs knew what was supposed to happen to him. Um, and they still would have done it. Maybe that's what was supposed to happened to him. But besides that, the centaurs won't stop to kill humans. And they won't bow to humans. And they've said that. And even, you know, I was very happy that they paid tribute to Dumbledore at his funeral and stuff. But they really don't take crap from humans trying to treat them as animals. And so I thought Umbridge was going to die, actually, when that happened. And I'm really surprised she got out alive. And it, <laughs> and it was Dumbledore that saved her, too. Yeah, it was Dumbledore. I was just going to ask if, yeah, Dumbledore would probably be the only one that could that could save her. And I thought it was very noble of Dumbledore. Um, but I was just going to ask, did Some, somebody save her? Maybe that's why she was at the funeral. You know what? I agree with show that. Respect. I agree with that because Dumbledore had no reason to, you know, morally, he didn't really have mm. to.
1: Looking at Umbridge's character, I think it was just to keep up face for the ministry.
5: All
0: right, so that wraps up our Umbridge discussion for this week. Good job, gentlemen and Laura. Yeah, thank you. So now it's time for this week's Dueling Club Dueling Club version 2. We're now, we pick randomly. You don't know who the other person is going to duel against you. We've gotten emails about uh, last week's. People really liked it. So, um, Eric, you had one? I got one. I've got one. Okay. On three. One, two, three. Cornelius
1: Fudge. Who did you say,
5: Eric? (laughs) Remel Devane. Ooh. And Cornelius Fudge. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe um, maybe she can fall in love with him and give him love potion. and
1: Yeah. Hey, maybe they can just
5: live happily together. Take him to the forest. <laughs> maybe they can just live happily together. Do you think they'd fight, yeah. or would she? I don't know. He's an older man. What do yeah, we know about Romilda? He's a
1: fully trained wizard, and Romilda was, what, a fourth year, I want to say?
5: Something, and she was really into the whole Ronald being an yeah. older gentleman. so.
1: And she seemed kind of...
5: We're, like, supposed to be defending them fighting, and we're like, maybe they won't fight. Maybe they'll love.
1: <laughs> I know.
5: Maybe they'll make love one day. Well, no. In a fight, who would
1: <laughs> Who would win? Ew.
5: Fudge is incompetent. Would Would anybody take down Fudge? Could, could a student take down Fudge, or could Fudge actually hold his I'm own? I'm sure there fight? are
1: certain students who could take down Fudge. So,
0: Dylan, think of someone else, and then... All right. Okay, and Micah. Ready? All one, right. two... 3 Peter
5: Pettigrew Slughorn. Slughorn and Pettigrew very nice.
4: Hmm. No. Interesting.
2: I think Pettigrew would win. Just cuz Slughorn's good at making potions. I don't we haven't seen him uh, his
5: hand with a wand. Slughorn is like a little bit It's it amazes me how close to uh, Hagrid Slughorn is sometimes as far as especially when he's drunk and you know they're drunk and singing together. I don't know. I've always made He seems like a jolly fellow who really likes uh, being accepted by people. But Pettigrew really likes being accepted, too.
4: Well, he also knows a lot of powerful people, so I'm assuming he learned a lot from them along the way. And he knows about Horcruxes, yeah. too. Not that that would be useful in a duel, but...
5: But he is one of the more talented Unless he's not very... People. Yeah, you're right.
4: You know, bad at dueling.
5: Um, he could throw, like, some potion in Peter's eyes and... Turn him into. I don't know, Peter. Alien. Peter
2: would probably run from a fight, though.
5: Uh, master, save me. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if, you, if the dueling club stipulations say that a character can run away, then yeah, Pettigrew would win. I guess he could crush him with his silver hand or
4: something like that. I think he'd just sit on Pettigrew and that would be. Know, the I don't end.
2: know. I don't know. It's it. It, it would be a close battle because Peter Pettigrew would probably uh uh do some sort of flash. And then run. <laughs>
4: He'd turn into a rat, and then Slughorn would chase him down. And oh, yes. Him. Right.
5: I make a good rat stew, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, rat stew makes good, good, uh, good magical properties there.
0: Okay, Eric and Laura on three. One, One, two, three. Eric.
5: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Eric. No, 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 not myself. Andrew, not myself. There is an Eric oh. in the Harry Potter series. Oh, well why do you think you would There win? actually is. Do, do you guys do, do I you, think Grindelwald did
1: you, would Did you pick take this up? Eric whether it be muggle cast Eric or Oh, oh
5: Eric. that's low. Come on. No, no, no you, it's uh,
1: Grindelwald do, would kill no. me too. <laughs> do,
5: do you know do you know the Eric I'm talking about? Did any of you guys do you pick this up? Do you remember an Eric in the Um book?
1: it seems like there was someone called like Eric Abercrombie or someone like that in the books. I I, can't I think remember. It,
5: Eric was the name of the guy in Order of the Phoenix who worked at the ministry. He was like a doorman or something. It was like an incredibly insignificant job, and he's probably not established well enough in the books for me to argue with him. But I thought it was cool, and I thought I'd show some Eric love since it is Valentine's well, Day.
1: There is a Laura in the book too, so <laughs> I mean there are lots of different names in there that I recognize, yeah. <laughs> but
5: I don't know, I just thought it was cool. She didn't even like I didn't even think she gave him a last name. It was just really awesome. He was named Eric and I was like Eric was like, she named him after me. (laughs) (laughs) Lara, Lara, we have to duel these guys. And actually, I think Eric would win. You know why? (laughs) Why? Because Grindelwald's already dead.
1: (sighs) I mean, alive (laughs) Grindelwald.
5: (laughs) You didn't say that. You said Grindelwald. And I think in his current state, I think in his current state, if we do know that he's dead, I think it's current well, state. I think Eric Do we would win. know that he's dead,
1: it, though? All it says no, is that we, Dumbledore defeated him.
5: Defeated him. It does not say dead, but at the same time, he's not offending anybody that we know. So I, I think it might be safe to say that Eric might actually have it over him. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, just like Barty Crouch Jr. is a good guy. It's- you expect me to rebuttal. I'm completely impervious to your Barty Crouch Jr. stuff. I- I don't know what to do with you, Dylan. I mean, Eric. <laughs> I mean, Barty
2: Crouch <laughs> uh, has got uh, that... Barty Crouch has that uh, cute little tongue look. I mean,
5: come on.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? That thing where he's... Yeah.
5: That was so weird. That was so That yeah, was
1: really weird.
5: That was that was a strict movie-ism. That was a Newell-ism, rather. They needed that for plot... Device stuff, so that it would make sense because they didn't.
4: What you guys didn't know is that he was looking
5: at Umbridge. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: that is awesome. Okay, well, okay, well, I think that does just about wrap it up for this week's edition of MuggleCast. I'm Andrew Sims.
3: I am Ben Shane. Yellow card lights and sounds and stores now.
5: I am Eric Skull. Uh, particularly fond of a group called the Electric Light Orchestra.
1: I'm Laura Thompson, a fan of Green Day, and I think that yellow card sucks.
4: I'm Micah Tannenbaum. And I'm Dylan Sparks.
0: Dylan, thanks for joining us this week.
2: (laughs) Uh, My pleasure, Andrew.
0: We'll have you on the show again soon, and we'll see everyone again next week for episode 28.
5: guys this is kirsten from tennessee and i just like to say that i love your show and it's a really great thing and i really enjoy it so keep up the good work
1: bye hey this is summer i'm calling on behalf of the twain school drama Department where MuggleCast has been voted the best way to drown out our psycho director. Congratulations, you have won our most coveted unofficial award. Yay, MuggleCast!
2: Hi, I'm Sam from Washington, and I just want to say I love your show. You guys are awesome. Andrew is hot. And i have a really awesome voice. really awesome. Jamie's hot, too, and he's British, and I love his British joke of the day, and yeah, pretty much that is everyone else at MuggleCast, yeah. You,
1: like uh Love you, Laura. Love you, Kevin. Love you. Yeah. Peace out. Hey, this is Ashley, and I'm from Connecticut, and I just wanted to say that I love Mongocast. It rocks, and it's so much better than PowderCast. But, <laughs> not that I don't like Pottercast, but Mongocast rules. So, that's all I wanted to say. Thanks. Bye, guys. Oh, and Karen, he's so hot. <laughs> Hi, guys. And Laura.
5: <laughs> This is Callie from Kansas, and I just wanted to say that I love the show. And I listen to it every, every few days
1: before I go to sleep. Bye. Hey, guys. This is Allie. And Alice from The Sand Listing. We just wanted to call up and say how much we absolutely love your show. We're so happy for all of your support. And all the participation on the forums. Thanks again interestingshame.com and Zcom bye
5: bye hi this is katie from california and i'm just calling to confess my love for muggle cats i listen to your show religiously every week and i just love you guys you're so
3: funny and i just love andrew andrew you're my favorite i love you and laura gotta love laura
2: all of you i just love you so much thank you for having a wonderful show
5: muggle cats she from? www.hp-place.com. I just want to say hi, and I love your podcast. And I know my step will never be as good as source, but we're out there. www.hp-place.com. Tell your listeners awesome to go to a place. Yeah.
3: Enjoy.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm a good host.
3: Hi, this is Bevan
2: and Taylor from New York, and we just wanted to say, yeah, yeah!
1: Hey, this is Aruna from India, and I just wanted to say you showed absolutely wonderful, and I really like Eric, and um, I just I want to tell you that you guys are doing a great job, and keep going. Bye.
0: Don't forget that if you want your voice to be heard on Mogucast, you can always call our hotline at one two one eight twenty magic. Please keep your message under thirty seconds, and be sure to include your name and location. Okay, now for the main discussion this week, as most of you know, unless you're living under a rock, and or you are extremely antisocial, Tuesday is Valentine's Day, so it would, be only be, it would only be right if we discussed a little bit of Valentine's Day in the Harry Potter series.
3: Hey, hey, hold on a sec, Laura, what did get you?
0: Oh, Ben, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> the, no. <laughs> no, you're taking uh.
1: that out. You're taking that out. I will kill you, I swear to God. I who's editing this week, yes. Andrew? Yeah. Okay, if you do not take that out, I'm coming to New Jersey and I will kill you. For everyone me, who
0: doesn't it. know, is Laura's thirty eight thirty year old from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway So anyway, off, no. I'm going no. to Laura, don't worry. Just, no, take I it out. Shut up, Eric. So <laughs> Eric, Eric did it, yeah, that. Yeah, that did sound
2: like Laura. <laughs> uh, Get a little too friendly with
0: Canada. <laughs> I hate you. Okay, well.
4: (laughs) What do you guys think happened in the forest when she was taken away at the end of. Micah,
0: you are the. I cannot. First it's whack, then it's what happens in the forest. I just. I just can't. Micah, I don't know what to do with you.
1: Well, I'm pretty. We're the centaurs. (laughs)
4: Mugorian had his way. Grow with her. up, everyone! Jeez, <laughs>
0: so mature. I'm sorry. It does like their toes. Mike, you finish your statement, and we'll grow should up. Should I
4: asking that? Should I ask that in a more serious way? Yeah, we'll way. try to grow up. <laughs> so, at the end of book five, what do you guys think happened to her when uh, the centaurs took her into the <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, Mike, <Micah, laughs> I think said they, I think they took her all night long. <laughs>
5: I, I, think, I think they took her all night long, Micah. <laughs> in, the, in the deep, dark... You know, it, it's, it's a legitimate question. It is a legitimate <laughs> so question. So Andrew.
4: <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. CBBC Newsround reported Friday that after their absence from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, the Dursleys will return in the fifth movie. They also announced some of the other actors cast for the fifth Harry Potter film. Sion? 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 See on. That's a blooper.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, you have not laughed until you've heard the Micah Tannenbaum laugh. Oh, God. <laughs>